Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to the PGA DFS First Look Show for the Farmers Insurance Open. What I would consider the official start to the year, as a lot of the golfers consider it their first start of the year as well. And it is a great one. We've got Tory Pines on tap, but with a little bit going on in the sports world, we got Tom Brady back in the Super Bowl. That's, of course, a, a favorite of mine. A going against Pat Mahomes, Jeff. It's going to be a week of maybe a little bit more focus on golf as there is no football and DraftKings gave us our biggest GPP yet. So welcome to the show. I would assume you would say this is your first real excitement tournament of the year. Yeah, it is. It's always kind of feel like I get the, the season going here. I've you know, like I've had a couple, I've had a good a couple of good weeks before at the, the Sony Open and stuff like that, but this is just, I don't know. You just always kind of getting right. I always, and this is where I'm like really diving into golf and, getting a little bit more excited for, you know, we got bigger events coming up. The masters is now a little bit closer and start to pay a little bit more attention to it. Like you said, the DraftKings contests are fantastic this week. So, you know, it's all, let's bring it on. And I mean, Torrey Pines is just such a perfect start to to get going. It's a, it's a big boy course. So yeah, I like this event. Yeah. And we'll, we'll certainly get into that. And of course, thank you for joining us here on this Monday afternoon, taking a maybe couple of seconds from going to your local GameStop and or trading it. So make sure you like and subscribe here to our channel. Of course, I'm coming out with uh, my top five videos all week and Jeff also with some great content. So make sure you like and subscribe as we march toward our 50,000 subscribers. Pretty cool goal there. Not going to lie. So let's start off, Jeff, we're talking a little bit about C. Woo Kim and we talked a bit about him on this show last week. Talked about his consistent form. It's his third PGA Tour title. Now, two of the three have been on Pete Dye tracks, maybe even the third one. And he had that second at RBC Heritage, which is also a Pete Dye track. So I wanted to bring into the show and talk about course architects. Now, granted, we we are we don't talk about that much on this show. There's not much to discuss. But there definitely seems to be a trend here with Siwoo Kim and his performances on courses designed by Pete Dye. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's just been a trend with, with Siwoo. I mean, uh, you know, I, t- I talked about it with you a bit before the show. Like, you always got to consider him here. And a little bit of, you know, again, I don't I don't put too much pressure on myself the first couple events of the year. But, like, it, it is a little bit annoying to see that because he was trending really well. Just con- way more consistent golf towards the end of last year than we were used to seeing from Siwoo Kim. Used to be a guy who, you know, come in, 
withdraw with a back injury and then, you know, pop up with like one good event and then miss five cuts. But he really wasn't like that last year at all. He's very consistent all around player too. So yeah, um, I don't know what it is with Dai. It just, again, fits his eye. I think it just, uh, you know, maybe more of the style of player he is. He can be aggressive on the approaches, which uh, you kind of have to be with Dai. You've got to, you've got to commit. And I think Siwoo is that kind of player. So I think it really just fits him, fits his eye, fits his style of game. And again, it's, it's something you just got to put in the memory bank. If, if he's trending with even a little bit of form, you got to consider him. Yeah, totally agree. You know, Dai is not At your Dai courses. Yeah, yeah, yeah. On on your on your Peter Dai courses, it's not how far can you hit the ball. And Siwoo Kim is yeah. not known for his distance. But, he's, but he combines the distance and accuracy trait really well that allows him to go at a lot of these tougher risk-reward Pete Dye type of tracks. So love that. Uh, I love the fact that Siwoo Kim continues to kind of put that in. And I think it would be important to note, which I am going to bring up a little bit later in the show, he started working with Butch Harmon last year. And obviously Butch Harmon, one of the best, if not the best coaches on the PGA Tour, it's clear. You just said it. He used to be a guy that would withdraw when he got out of contention. You couldn't rely on him. All of a sudden... These last six months, I mean, he hasn't missed many cuts and he's been in the top echelon. So good to see Siwoo Kim. I, I really, I'm pulling for both he and Sung JM at the Olympics this year. I hope it goes off, of course, and uh, they can avoid military service. I don't want to lose another young, talented star in South Korea to um, to that service. So we lost a few Sung Yul No, Sang Moon Bay. So I'd like to keep Siwoo Kim over here as long as we can. Now let's move on to our guy here our shows guy, I should say. We talk about this one. We both expect massive things from this guy this year. Talking about Patrick Cantlay. He shot 18 under on the weekend, Jeff, and still didn't win. What do you think it was? Do you think it was just lazy playing with Phil Mickelson and Fowl the first two days? Why couldn't he get it going? And I think we both agree he should have won this golf tournament. <laughs> I mean, look, it's impressive by Cantlay. Look, and we we've, we have talked about him a bit. Um, I like the way he's training for the masters. I'd still really take a look. If you're looking at the futures there, I brought him up and I know I wrote an article about him. I think it was two weeks ago. Now you can probably find it on my Twitter. I'll try and retweet it, but the value I think you're getting with Canlay for a future. The masters is really good. Um, he really kind of figured it out, started to play more towards the end of last year, got the right all around game for it. And yeah, I mean, I don't know. It's early season. So you're not going to, you're not going to give him too much guff for starting slowly, but that's probably what it was. I mean, he's playing with a couple buddies out in, the desert it's it's a rotational course we see this sometimes and that's why these events you see the long shot winners because the top players sometimes they get mixed in with these these groups and it's more of a, a laid back style to start but what a great performance man on the weekend i mean this is that's what you kind of see from players who in my opinion are trending towards something bigger you see them get in the mix regardless of how they started that's that's what we want to see from cali more on a consistent basis that's kind of what was missing last year and uh, it's just more killer instinct. So I, I, it's just more reason for me to be bullish on Gatley here. And, and again, we compare him to Xander Schauffele, his peer. You're getting him at like double the odds most weeks. Like it's just, it's too tempting to resist right now. Yeah, it, it really is. And in 61, it really could have been 59. He missed two sure. what I call maple yeah. putts. Now granted, his strokes of putting for the day was fantastic. He made some long ones. You can't shoot 61 to do that. What I love about Cantlay is since the Memorial win, when Jack Nicholas came out and he said to him, he's like, look, you got to learn to close a little bit better. He almost coughed that one up. He has put himself in a position on Sunday to really become one of the most feared players on that day. In fact, he put himself into contention at the Masters two years ago when Tiger won with this same thing with a really roaring Sunday. So I'm not really saying like uh, the PGA showdown contest. I'm just more saying 
if this guy is in the tournament, watch out for him. He's clearly learning to play on Sunday. Uh, and we know that that's only going to come into, uh, into effect really when the majors uh, come around. So keep an eye on Patrick Cantley here this week. All right, let's talk about one more thing. I want to talk about Hawaii guys. And we mentioned last week, you know, trends are trends, you know, trends are meant to be broken. Sometimes they're silly. Sometimes they're not. But with this event, there is undoubtedly a huge correlation between golfers that at least had one start in the Hawaii swing and played relatively well in their success here. Now, granted, that could be some recent form bias, obviously, but I got a list of seven names here, eight names that played at least once that were all in the top 20 here last week. Michael Thompson, Richie Wierenski, Abraham Anser, Brendan Steele, Matt Jones, Chris Kirk, Tony Finau, Cam Davis, all showed some type of form in Hawaii. So... Do you think that that moves into this week or do you think it's a course specific thing where it's a really easy course? They come over from the Sony open, which is a relatively easy course again, and it's just a good translation. Um, and it stops here or do you think it continues? It, it's always a mix. There's always a few guys who continue, but this one, you see a lot of guys who they maybe have not shown much. It, it's a dramatic course shift, right? Like we're, we're going from, yeah, it's like beauty and the beast, man. I mean, it, it's it's well manicured you know lower rough you know the good weather sit spots generally we get a little bit of wind but like you know they're just not dealing with much to like all the adversity you can handle more variance with lies and stuff like that polo greens and I, I don't i don't really buy into the recent form as much when i come in here in fact i i definitely think you can get on p players like better odds if you just kind of you don't want to just cross off recent form altogether, but you take a little bit of a longer basket when you're looking, like maybe you look back over the last, you know, six or eight events rather than the last three. That That's how I've always approached, or I've always thought you, you should approach this. Um, mm-hmm. Guys coming in, like Jason Day's come in here cold, played really well. John Rahm kind of done nothing and then what, grabbed his win. Um, that, that's kind of what you see at Torrey Pines. So I'm not so much what these guys have done in the first three events. I'd like to see them, have make a start i think i think that's important i think getting a little bit of golf under is is important and we have seen guys come from overseas and not play well i think we only have rory to worry about there this week and i'm not as concerned about it with rory as the other guys but uh for the most part like i wouldn't worry too much about what we saw in the first three events just just you know i I would say again you're making a model or something i dialed down a little bit over like the very recent form and maybe just go back a bit longer yeah, I agree here. I, I think it's really a golf course thing for me. Um, if you know, to give my two cents on on that question, it the problem with PGA West and of course the La Quinta course is they're so easy. So golfers, even if they're missing the fairway, they're not totally informed with all of their clubs to the bag. They're going to have so many opportunities to score this week. It's not going to be the same. You know, if they miss the fairway. They're going to be a long way away from the hole and they're going to be in three inch rough. I don't even know if there was rough last week. You know, when I saw them land in that intermediate cut, that was still green. It looks like fairway to me. So um, I think that that obviously probably bumps up the scores and makes it a little bit easier to to do so. So um, in any case, all right, let's go on to our DFS review here where we go over some of the uh, highlights from last week. And we always start off with the top five values and a check in on how the chalk did. So, no surprise, Siwoo Kim, the winner, 17.4x value, 143 points scored. Wow, tremendous amount. A little bit less than Andrew Landry from the year before. But that's, again, because we didn't have LaQuinta in there. So a couple of other guys, Cam Davis up there, Michael Thompson I mentioned, Ryan Armour. That's an interesting one, keeping an eye on him. Doug Gim, Chase Seafert, Rory Sabatini, and Francesco Molinari with a top 10 value. So two guys I want to talk about there. Doug Gim, very frustrating for me. Obviously, I've been 
top 10 and betting this guy for Jesus, probably 30 events. I stopped doing it. Of course it happened. I should have let everybody know that I wasn't going to do it this week. And of course it pays off for his first ever top 10 on the PGA tour comes to this week actually having some decent form here as well had a chance a couple of years ago uh and francesco molinari that's maybe the one i want to focus on for a little bit more than doug gim here's a guy that obviously was a major winner recently totally lost year last year and i mean completely lost made maybe two cuts all year all of a sudden he's back in the top 10 so jeff what do you make of those two guys you can pick either one you want to chat about first yeah, Molinari is the most interesting. I mean, it was it was tempting to take a to take a flyer on him last week for me. I, again, didn't end up doing so. But you know, a player who is definitely on the radar for me. And, and it, realistically, like we've had the year off for Molinari, and you can kind of give him a, a bit of a mulligan for it. You know, we had the COVID situation and stuff like that. So to to me, that that's the player that really perks up. I mean, this is a player, especially coming into like harder courses and majors and bigger events. I think you really just got You got to start considering him because he's just so consistent tee to green when he's on like this. And I think uh, you're going to still have negative sentiment on him for a while where players probably just don't want to take a shot. So he's interesting to me. Uh, Doug Gim was frustrating as well for me, you know, just seeing him drain all the putts. I talked about him. I think it was at the Sony. So uh, still a player. I definitely think you should keep an eye on for DFS. Makes a lot of birdies. But, you know, Molinari for me, especially with the bigger events we have coming up, uh, that's a player that, you know, it, it, it was a significant performance to see him come out, especially in like the first start of 2021. It's like, okay, maybe this guy has like taken the offseason and figured it out. Um, I guess we're going to find out this week because this one will really put him to the test. Yeah, he did move to California too. So, um, okay. yeah, Actually, Molinari did. <laughs> yep, Molinari did. During the pandemic, over the pandemic, moved his entire family out to California, the LA area. So, this little stretch for him, obviously, being pretty close to home the whole time yep. will be will certainly be important. So, a check in on the chalk here. A little bit of a mixed bag. Three top fives with Patrick Cantlay, Tony Finau, and Abe Answer all securing it all in the top 10 ownership, but then you had five missed cuts with golfers like Patrick Reed, Scotty Scheffler missing the cut, Sam Burns, Seb Straka, Matthew Wolf. Oh, Wolf made the cut. Sorry, Russell Henley missed it. So kind of a mixed bag there, Jeff. If you were able to fade Reed and Scheffler, you you really had a leg up because if you faded Reed and Scheffler, it's likely you had a Cantlay, a Finau, or an answer in your lineup. Yeah, absolutely. Scheffler was was way more, even more chalky than I think we yep. we had him projected to be. It was... It was weird. I mean, I just didn't feel like I thought enough people would drift down to like Matthew Wolf or, 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 or get Finau in there or, or just, you know, decide to, to pivot off him. But that was one of the more chalky stars like we've ever seen uh, when it was a pretty big bust. So, you know, getting him up. Uh, and like you said, Reed, Reed was up there too. I was actually a little bit surprised on the ownership of Reed, but people are, are really into playing him right now. He's been obviously consistent and he's a former winner. So maybe I shouldn't have been so surprised, but um Scheffler one of the bigger chalk kind of just everyone piling in on him uh scenes we've seen in a while so I thought he was at least gonna make the weekend he was trying like I, I wasn't even really worried about it on Friday and then he just, just couldn't make a putt he yeah. wasn't yeah he could not make a putt uh, he didn't play too he didn't play great either I yeah mean, his wedges were terrible too were terrible his yeah terrible. he's he's very consistent off the tee that that, that, that part of the game isn't there but uh, there's still for some refinement there with Scheffler. Short games there, couldn't make a putt, but um, you know he's got to get those wedges dialed in, I think, to compete. It probably won't take him too long, but could be a good bounce back sp- for, spot for him here too. He's got short game, he's got off the tee, so I'm not going to cross him off my list. But yeah, that was that was a little surprising for me to see him up there. At that he's a guy, yeah, he's a guy that similar to Colin Morikawa, 
if you follow their shot trails, you can figure out where they are really easily in the tournament. And right off the bat, Scheffler was hitting fairways, like you said, looked really good off the tee, but early on, he couldn't put his 140-yard shots inside of 20 feet. Normally, when you can't do that, you're not going to score, especially out at PGA West. So um, let's go on to our optimal lineup review here. I quickly run through the optimal. And for the first time in a while, Jeff, we had 50,000 actually all salary used. It was Pat Cantlay, Abraham Answer, Siwoo Kim, obvious there, Cam Davis, Michael Thompson, and... To add injury to insult, of course, Doug Gim there at 6,800. So I think the big surprise to me here, besides Gim, uh, was how balanced of a lineup it actually really was. I mean, when you're looking to make GPP lineups, I mean, the total ownership on this was about 60%, used all the salary. I mean, just obviously uh, it ended up being not too out of the ordinary for this, I guess is what I wanted to say. And that's not something we typically say. Yeah, no. Typically, we got like 45,000 as as the the winning optimal lineup, I guess is what I meant to say. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think Cantlay being up there and really producing obviously probably led to this kind of lineup as well. Uh, Whenever you have like the top owned player, I mean, it's more likely we're going to see like a full full ownership. But then he also had answer ending with like a birdie streak and and Siwoo being 82. Like it was, it it was an event. you don't want to, there were players up there. Like Michael Thompson was up there and guys like that. But, uh, but it was, it was where like the, the stars and, and the, the people who were supposed to play well kind of came and, and actually performed for once. Um, so yeah, I mean, it just, it just ended up like this. I mean, it's a super balanced lineup. You look at it and I mean, you, you know, you easily, it's just like one guy from each tier basically. And then you go in like two value guys. It's, it's incredibly balanced lineup for what we usually see for an optimal. So yeah, kind of funny how it worked out that way. But uh, I think, I think the main catalyst of this is when you have a, um, a to- the top ranked guy like Cantley actually produce, um, you know, beat like most of the guys in his range or, or pretty much every guy um, in the top range, then, then this is the, the, you're more likely to get this kind of more balanced lineup. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, totally agree. Let's uh, head on to the actual winning lineup. And for all of you single entry or single bullet players, let it be known, you could have won $200,000 doing it last week. Not everybody that puts in 150 lineup wins. And last week it was the single bullet people uh, that ended up coming away victorious for the 200K. It was Pat Cantlay, Siwoo Kim, no surprise there. Cam Davis also in there. So three from the optimum. But then it threw in Brian Harmon. Chris Kirk and Brendan Steele, it used up all the 50,000 salary. It had 74% ownership, just one lineup. I mean, Jeff, we talk about it a lot. 70 to 80% is our target when we're making GPP lines. Yeah. It was well-balanced, nobody under 7,300. I I am a little surprised that this ended up winning, only having... Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. 
Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Three guys in the top 10, but Brian Harmon again showing that, you know, he can put up a ton of points over 100. And Chris Kirk and Brendan Steele, that's all they needed. You know, two top 25s and it got it done. <laughs> it is. It is. Yeah. You're right. It is a little interesting, especially with two guys like under 90 there. But um, Siwoo and Cantlay just tore it And Cam Davis. I mean, those guys just blew away. Even for for where they finished, I mean, those are massive point totals. So I I think there was just such a big gap between like the highest guys and the second guys that if you had the right combo, if you basically had those three guys, then you didn't you didn't need necessarily to nail the other the other ones as much. So yeah, I was a little surprised like Gim isn't in here or something like that, but. I mean, again, very similar to the the optimal, obviously, just, you know, off a couple guys, so. Yep, yep, totally, uh, totally agree. All right, let's move on to our lineups here. Uh, no, before we do our lineups, my bad, we go into our pro review, kind of uh, build up to how we did personally. So let's start off with our own Alex Oswald Baker who looked like he upped his percentages on his top end, guys. I don't know, maybe he was listening to our show where I – Suggested maybe he'd do that, um, or it's just how it ended up being here this week. But I will have to ask him about one thing, and that's that he played 46% Brooks Kepa, a guy that he totally, totally hates. I'll have to ask him about that. Maybe he just liked the leverage. But 61% on Tony Finau, 28% Patrick Reed, 21% Denny McCarthy was kind of his four core. He had Redmond answer also in there as well. Uh, four golfers over 20%. Two only in the top 10, five missed cuts. Total golfer is 84, so moving down a little bit. 670th was his top. Not a great showing, obviously, when he didn't have Cantlay or Siwoo Kim in the top. Going to be tough for him to have a profitable week in the uh, GPP. But I can tell you, he came fourth in the $500 in the signature hole. So looks like, again, the higher dollar stuff, more limited entries is uh, working for for Alex. So definitely take a look at that if you're looking at uh, single entry stuff. And for me, I did find myself to Patrick Cantlay and both uh, Siwoo Kim in my top five owned, but I had Patrick Reed and Scotty Scheffler in there as well. I did have a profitable week. I returned about 30% in the GPPs uh, cashed in my one lineup, which we'll talk about in a second. So it was a good week for me, Jeff, but I felt like since I had so much Cantlay and Kim, I felt like it was my shot. I just couldn't put it together with the other guys. It definitely, yeah, just looking at it, it looks like you were probably pretty close last week. Uh, if you had, you know, somehow gotten off a little bit of Scheffler or Reed, maybe you mix in a couple more lineups, 6-6, six, six, you probably get there. So that's a nice build, man. Going over, I think going over on Cantlay was smart. You know, clearly the, the best play in the world probably wasn't getting enough respect from people just in terms of ownership this week, I think. Again, people think, oh, Cantlay is the highest like ranked player in the field. He's the highest owned, but like Finau's behind him, Kepka. I felt like that just kept his ownership down. People just weren't respecting him as the highest uh, salary player. So I think that was sharp. I think both you and Alex going over weight on Finau probably sharp too. Again, it was just an ownership thing, and I'm gonna kind of assume that's why Alex went to Kepka. But yep, I don't know. Um, maybe he has another reason. I know looking at the projections last week, I don't think we had Kepka massively up there I could be wrong on that I can't remember so don't quote me on that Scheffler was rate, rating out well though so uh it was really hard for, to get off him I mean I I thought about getting off him for like a, a Sanjay M pivot or something like that but in my my single entry as you'll see we'll go over but I didn't get there either so um I can't really I'm not really one to talk but uh yeah otherwise man like that that is a nice group of players you got up there 
um, just sands, obviously the the Scheffler bomb and uh, and and Reed. And the Reed but, bomb. You know, Reed. Reed, you're basically average on. It was just mm-hmm. it was actually even Scheffler. You were below weight on. Yep. Realistically, right? So you can't even follow yourself. It just uh, just didn't quite get the mix. Yeah, I think one of the, maybe the biggest mistake for me was in these these golfers are very similar. I think you know, kind of by the way they look, they're both kind of tall, a little lanky, can drive the ball super far. It's Sam Burns and Cam Davis. If I'd swapped those ownerships, right? I think I really would have been there. Now, the one thing I wanted to mention that I did a little bit differently this week than I normally do is I had my core, as you can see, eight golfers that I did above 20%, maybe one or two higher than I normally do. But after that, what I did was I had nobody higher than 10% or 11%. I had a lot of guys in that range because what happened the previous week was I had a lot, like I had 17% Will Gordon, 17% Russell Knox, and those guys got crushed. You know, they both missed the cut out at Sony. So what I did this week was I paired it back. I think that maybe helped a little bit of my overall return. But of course, when you hit on those guys, like had I played Cam Davis at the 17%, it might've been better. Cam Davis was one of those guys at 10%. So, all right, let's go on to uh, the guys that actually did well um, last week in the GPP format and how they got it done. Start off with the Fantasy Bros, who won the contest last week, the 200K. He bounced back uh, another top 20, so a good showing from him. Tony Finau and Cantlay at 36%. Scotty Scheffler at 30 so he couldn't avoid him, but he did have Cam Davis at 24%. Answer 22, Siwoo Kim 21. Still ended up with three missed cuts in his top, but when you have, of course, Siwoo Kim, Abe Answer, Patrick Cantlay, Tony Finau up there, you're going to have a chance. And then the top GPP guy, RJ Rat, he came in second. He also had Siwoo Kim at 48%. We talk about this a lot, Jeff. If you can get the winner in 50% of your lineups <laughs> and the and the winner's only like 13 projected owned, I mean, it, you're going to have a chance to win. I, I don't really think we need to say much more about, about him, obviously, when you have 50% of the winner. Yeah, no, I mean, and look, it's a strategy. I, I don't mind. I mean, these, these big GPPs, it, it's, go, it's go big or go home. So, um, I think Siwoo Kim is a guy we know has a ton of talent. He's obviously been a pretty good closer over his career. Uh, already two, you know, he already had two wins before this week at, at a very young age. So you, you knew at some point it was going to get done again. I don't mind it. Um, I, I really don't. I, I, I like to take that approach, especially with guys in that range are going a little bit under owned. You feel strong about. So kudos to him. But, um, you know, realistically that, that and then going a little bit overweight on Finau, was it was a good call, obviously fading the chef with shotgun and then getting Cam Davis in there, man. I mean, he just made the right calls on the right player. It obviously started with Siwoo, but uh, you know, he needed to have Davis in there as well. So to finish it off. Yeah. So if, if you are new to the MME game and you're trying it out, say like something in the mini max or something like that, the fantasy bros, his build uh, 52 golfers with the top percentage of 36%. I think that's a really standard build for people. Again, just getting into it. That's where I'd recommend them go. I think going the uh, Alex's route where he's got like 84 players, I think that really uh, requires a lot of fine tuning. So, you know, going through lineups and making sure you only have two, three, 4% of some of those bombs. Mm -hmm. Um, And then there's of course the aggressive side with the RJ rat. He only had 38 golfers in his pool. Again, like we just mentioned, 50% of that top guy, a little bit more aggressive. I'd consider that. So again, just wanted to make note of those. yeah, Yeah. Those players that are maybe just coming into the MME game a good difference in how you can see the pros do it. A lot of different 38 players, 84 players. There's no right or wrong way as long as you can get it done. That's yeah, the and, most important thing. And just realize, you know, you're upping the variance when you when you take smaller groups of players and, and you're going 48% on a guy like Siwoo Kim, who's only 13% owned. So yep. it's, uh, it's, it's more variance, but when you do hit, 
you do have a bit, give yourself self a better shot at the big week, obviously. So yeah, yep. all, all works out, you know, to, to however you're adjusting it. It's, it's going to, it's going to produce, it's going to give you different uh, sort of timelines, so to speak, I guess, on your, on how you're profiting. For sure. All right, let's go to our lineups and see how we did this week, at least in our single entry stuff. For uh, for me, I always put out my highest dollar lineup. So this week, I did not avoid the Scotty Scheffler bomb, sadly. But I did slide into the cash with the Siwoo Kim bogey-free round and his all-rounds under. He got eight and a half points on that last hole, and it got me just enough to slide into the cash. I love it. But what I hate is I had made one late switch that cost me I was high on both Doc Redman and Cam Davis. I was high on both Sam Burns and Brian Harmon. I decided to go with Burns and Redman here instead of Harmon and Davis. That cost me a couple thousand dollars there, that switch. I just felt maybe a little bit safer or or maybe not even safer, maybe more upside with the Burns-Redman because Harmon, we know, had been playing great. Um, but mm-hmm. obviously, I was just totally wrong in that. Happy to slide into the uh, min cash there. Just goes to show you, though, Jeff, in, in a week that there's six of six, five percent, you're not out of the game if you can get two top fives uh, in a four of six. No, for sure, man. I mean, I've, I've cashed with winners with three of six before at various tournaments with, with like bad cut rates, like uh, we saw this week. So it can happen. And um, yeah, I mean, look, uh, you're, you're going to see mine show up on next. I had five, uh, five or six golfers. I bubbled. Uh, I'm, it was a, it was a smaller buy-in, but um, I will have to see what the point totals were, but actually some similar players I had answer in Redmond and mine as well. Uh, I just didn't land on Siwoo this week and um, had to, I, I ate the Sheffler chalk as well. So I went down there, but um, my, my, my problem was I also used uh, Zach Johnson to pair with Redmond. So I had two golfers who just did nothing on the weekend, like absolutely nothing. So that was frustrating to watch, especially because um, of who I used with them. Like they, they were actually like, I had three guys who were, who were, were pretty good producers, but uh, the rest of them, but this one, yeah, it's it, like, a, it's very similar to what I built. So, I mean, yeah. um, <laughs> let's slide into that. No, I think it's a, I yeah. think it's a good transition. Let's yeah. uh, slide into that. We both found ourselves on Redmond again. He had played superbly on these easy tracks uh, recently, so I'm no surprise to see us go into there. Uh, the one uh, maybe a little bit different uh, between our lineups uh, is that's a Paul Casey. Now that was yeah. an absolute great. I, I wish I had talked to you more about that because he ended up being a really nice pivot. Ninety five points at eighty seven hundred really could have helped you pretty much anywhere. If Zach Johnson or Doc Redmond could have done literally anything besides what they did on the weekend, yeah. you would have had a pretty good lineup, even with five of six. No, um, for sure. So you were all over Siwoo Kim in other places. Did he just not find this lineup? You wanted to go a little bit more up top with answer Scheffler. Yeah. I, I kind of made like a late scratch on Siwoo. It was, it was just a boneheaded decision, but um and, and I didn't get it. I just basically had no Siwoo this week. Um So it was, it, it was a little bit rough, but um the uh yeah like Casey was to me just a a perfect low on pivot I mean 8700 for Paul Casey in a weaker field it just seemed a little like I I think like he was coming in cold but nobody wanted to play him he was t21 here last year Casey plays in the desert a ton like he's strokes gain approach maestro um I had no problem taking him at like well under 10% owned so that one was like he was always on my radar for GBP builds and then um you know Byung Hanan was the other guy um, I, I had him and John Huff in there and I just decided to go with, I knew Scheffler was going to be up there on a new answer. So when I was building this lineup, 
I said, well, if I'm going to do that, I'm going to go with Anne as a bit of a lower owned guy. Really wish I had just stayed on like John Hu and then taken the lower ownership on a Sung JM because I, I probably could have gotten up there or even gone down to Doug Gim and, uh, and gone to him. That, that's what I was debating about. That's what have really made this lineup good. But um, realistically, ZJ and, uh, and Redmond holding me back here. We're, we're never going to get me that high up. So nice. Uh, yeah, I, I, I like the, I like the calls I made on Casey and Ben, but um, you know, just, just wasn't going to get there with the, with the, the way the chalk performed for me. Yeah, with, without Seawood or Cantlay, especially scoring as many points as they did, even Davis, for that matter, he was like 13 or 14% owned, yeah. so it um, makes yeah. sense. Both well, if, yeah, if you do want our picks, it's a great time to tell you about a couple of things going on here at Osmo. We have, first off, with the NFL, you know, taking a week off, NHL and NBA definitely going to be taking a more of a front seat. And today, rankings from Osmo are free for both sports, NHL and NBA and listen, if you're ready to join and get access to all of the great Osmo Plus tools and content for nearly every DFS sport out there, you're going to get an Osmo Weekly Pass, Osmo Plus Weekly Pass for $29.95. This includes access to all of our premium content and tools. But listen, if you just want to come join both Jeff and I and Ben on the PGA Premium side, well, look at our weekly packages. $8.95 for the full one, $2.95 for the express packages. So start, stop, not start, stop guessing, start winning. Join Osmo Plus today. And let's talk about a little of those plays, a couple of them that we're going to have at the Farmers Insurance. As we move into this week, again, we mentioned right at the top of the show, it's probably one of the best weeks, uh, or at least the highest number of prizes waiting for us in the DFS pool, so in a great field as well. It's a two-course rotation here north and south at Torrey Pines Municipal Golf Course. It will play, at least the south course will play as one of the toughest tests, at least that we've had this year. And it always ranks in the top 10 hardest we have pretty much every single year. You're only going to hit the fairway about 55% of the time, Jeff. So does that make you bring more people into play or does that make you bring less people into play when we know something like that? Well, it's, you know, I mean, driving distance definitely is, is a thing this week. I mean, it's, it's one of those us open style venues where, you know, you should be giving credit to like uh, strokes gained off the tee and, and, and players who are just consistent necessarily look at uh, like driving accuracy or anything like that but i just want players who are strong off the tee so if they're not getting it in the fairway a ton then they're they're getting it out there right they're getting it closer to the hole um hitting it out of the rough isn't going to be as big a deal from them instead of 220 they're they're 180 or something like that right so uh because like you said the fairways are still hard to hit you're still going to miss the fairway even if you're a, a consistent hitter there's just tough tee balls here i mean um, the, the fairways are guaranteed for no one, right? Unless you get perfect drives. So strokes gained off the tee here is always something I, I tend to emphasize. It's, it's generally treated me well doing that. And it's something I'll probably continue to do that. But that being said, there's a lot of other variables at this course. I mean, you know, we saw Mark Leishman light it up eight, stroke, eight, gained, eight blah, blah, gained eight strokes putting uh, over the week. Whenever you do that, I hope that they're doing good. Right. Yeah, exactly. But I mean, like, you know, Brent Snedeker's one here before too. I mean, mm-hmm you don't necessarily have to be great off the tee and Gleason missed like every fairway in the final round here last year too. So there's various ways of getting it done. Uh, I tend to really emphasize the strokes gained off the tee guys and uh, you know, just try and mix it in with, with guys who are, are good polo putters. So if I'm going to take a GPP shot on a guy, it's someone who I think could get around the greens, have a hot week putting because that's the other thing. The, the field generally just puts terribly here. Like, like you'll see a ton of players just have horrible putting weeks, but it'll almost be mitigated because everyone's going to putt poorly. So if you do get a guy putting really well, he can really make up a lot of ground this week. It feels like just with the putter. So. 
Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. There's a couple of guys that I want to chat about here in a little bit. Before we do, I'll just uh, go over a couple of other things. We're going to hit about two-thirds of the greens. Even though we're going to miss the fairway about half the time, we're still going to hit a lot of greens. They are relatively small. The north course is going to play significantly easier. It's about a shot under par for the first two days. Of course, we're going to rotate them. Um, and the south course is going to play probably a shot over par. Should have a cut right around even par, maybe plus one. Of course, it looks like weather could be a problem, certainly for the guys playing in the Monday qualifier today. It is a big problem. It's cold, it's windy, and it's rainy there. I think this is supposed to blow out by midweek, though, if I checked. Again, this is weather. I'm not trying to be a weather tout right now. But you just mentioned Brand Snedeker. Yeah. We remember his win. I mean, it was blowing 45 mile an hour on Sunday, and he got it done. So it can happen here at, uh, at Torrey Pines, no doubt about it. Yeah, and it is supposed to be like low 60s, high 50s all week. So it's going to be cold. Uh, I think the first two days, too, are supposed to be worse than the the last two. Like the last two days is supposed to be at least calmer with a bit of sun. But like we might even get like a rain out day on Friday. So it's, it's going to be I think the scoring is going to be a lot higher this year. Yeah, for sure. And 25 of the world's or 24 of the world's top 50. I, I, the newest update, it might be 25 uh, are here to play. So definitely a incredibly strong field. We've got three in the top 10. Um, not bad. Uh, so, uh, again, a pretty strong field for all intent. So, uh, first, want to let you guys know about the little giveaway we got going on on our awesome underscore com Twitter handle. Check out the pinned tweet on that uh, handle there to enter our NBA giveaway to win a month of Osmo Plus. Hey, that's pretty good. Just follow the instructions and tweet the name of any player in the NBA. That's right, any player. And if they score a basket, you have a chance to win. That's it. Simple. Two random winners will be selected. Make sure you follow our Osmo underscore Instagram handle as well for our giveaway over there, where I'm going to guess your chances are going to be a little bit better uh, than on Twitter. So make sure you are following us over there. Um, okay, let's go into our first clicks here at Tory Pines. And again, such a strong field. We'll have a lot to talk about. We'll first do our first clicks, then we'll go into our DFS preview, which literally they drop salaries at 227, and we came on the air at 330. So not maybe not a ton of time uh, for Jeff and I to take a look. But first guy I want to talk about. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. When we talk about values, normally I go to the top 20. And the first one that I see is maybe even like 13 or 14 on the board. This is a guy that I just got mad at Alex for playing so much last week, but here I am talking about him and it's Brooks Kepka. He's yeah. two to one on a top 20 this week. Again, I'm just seeing value there. He was trending towards playing pretty well. He is four under. He was, he was four under. First of all, he shot even on the first day it was four under on the second day, looking like he was going to make the cut. 
came to the, I think, 13th hole, Jeff, and plunked one in the water. Uh, just totally snap hooked one left in the water, made double, triple, something like that, and never recovered. But I think his form is close to there. It didn't look as bad as I thought it would. And on this course, he's not going to lose that many strokes. He's not going to hit it in the water. There's not really that many chances to do it. So I think top 20, I think it's a decent bounce back for Brooks Kepka here this week. Yeah. Um, for me, and, and like we, we can stay in that range for a sec, because for me, it would yeah. be really close. The other player I consider in the top 20 for that range would be Jason Day. Um, if Day plays anything good here, he's going to top 20. Like, he just does that. You know, he, wasn't, he was in no good form, came in cold last year. He finished T16. Like, Day at this course is, you don't want to say he's an automatic, but again, if he, if he starts out okay, if he makes the weekend, good God, that, that's a really good number on a top 20 for Jason Day. So I completely agree with the Kepka call. It reminds me of, of last year. Remember when we sometimes like just Dustin Johnson, like missed the cut. And then he was like plus 2,500 at the travelers, you know, and then he won yeah. Webb Simpson, exactly. same kind of thing. Then he went like this, this reminds me of the spot a little bit for Brooks Kepka. I'm probably going to get some outright exposure here because this, this line is to me, I did not, I was not expecting like to see plus 3000 or bigger on Brooks Kepka today, but yeah. that is what we're getting. So um, I'll be getting some exposure some way. I, I think the top 20 call is actually really smart too. Again, if you're into betting like top twenties or whatever, that is definitely something I take. It, it'd be really close between him and day. Uh, maybe do both. And, and I don't know, but um, uh, depending you only on need how, one there to, to get through. Yeah. T- depending on how you, you organize your car. Right. I, yeah, I don't know. Exactly. I, I, that's probably not something I'm going to do, but um, both those guys stand out to me as good values for top 20 market in the top tier. Anyways, hundred uh, percent. Yeah, and, and you just mentioned, you know, Kepka above plus 3,000. I'm looking at, you know, plus 3,650 or 36.5 mm-hmm. to one to win. A great tool, though, to make sure you are getting the best line is check out our odds shopper tool. Don't make a bet without shopping for the best odds first. Betting lines can change by the minute and can vary greatly depending on the book you are using. We just mentioned about a six and a half to one difference there uh, just on Brooks Kepka. So that's why it's important to use the Osmo Odd Shopper tool to find the best line available on the golfer you are betting on and give you that edge you need to beat the house. Head on over to oddsshopper.osmo.com where we compile the best bets available for every golfer updated in real yeah. time. Sign up for free today to track it, your bets and receive The Odd Shopper tool, guys, too. Sorry, I'll cut you off. No, no, go ahead. No, no, go for it. <laughs> it's like, honestly, if you can get on the books that are on the Odd Shoppers, you should be going. It's a great tool. looks great. You can use it for all the different sports, not just golf. So um, it's it's so good. It gives you exactly live, like what's live and stuff. So, yeah, definitely check that. Again, it's free. So, yeah, um, it, it, you can find it at the top of the, the Osmo page. So it, it's a great tool they made out there. For sure. And That's don't forget, funny. if you're just coming in, I uh, appreciate you guys joining us here on Monday afternoon. Make sure you give us a like and let us know uh, that we're doing the right things. Or give us a dislike if you really don't like the stuff that we're pitching, of course. Uh, we like to hear all of the feedback here at Osmo. So, of course, make sure you subscribe as well if you're not already doing that. So continuing on, uh, Brooks Kepka 36 and a half to one to win. When I saw that line being the same as Mark Leishman, that's what kind of really got me interesting. Now I think it's moved just a little bit. Mark Leishman's a little higher. But anybody else on the outrights before I give you to a one more top 20 uh, that I have ironed out? Anybody on the outrights that you've clicked here early in the morning or so, I should, early in the week, I should say, not in the morning. <laughs> so I'm really looking in that like above 25 range to like 40 range there there's I mentioned Kepka already he's going to be in there for interest but Hideki and and Matt Wolf I got to get some exposure to Matt Wolf here like West Coast guy uh TPC Harding Park 
Again, so he so he started slow last week. Like I just don't care. I mean, he shot seventy six here in the opening round, still finished t twenty one. This is just such a good course for him with the strokes gained off the tee. Um, he's still trending fine with his approaches. He was fine last week. He's like third in, in over the last fifty rounds in his strokes gained approach. This is he's kind of the guy that I'm saying take a longer term approach. Um, don't worry too much about like he hasn't had like a, a, a second place or anything in a while. To me, I, I just feel like this this number on Matt Wolf at this event, you, you should be betting it every time. He's he's this number, so I, I'm going to start by doing that. And and I look, Hideki was killing the ball at the Sony. I, Hideki's played really well. And the one thing I was surprised when I looked this up this morning, dude's a positive putter on Poa Greens over the last 50 rounds. Like it is a Whoa. massive split between Hideki putting on Poe right now and Hideki putting on Bermuda. He putted well, and I forgot about this, but he putted well at the BMW Championships at Olympia Fields too. So I, I'm going to roll with that. I, I think this is an interesting spot here for Hideki. We've seen guys sort of do well at, uh, at Phoenix and then also do well at the Farmers, guys like Finau and stuff like that. So I'm going to roll with this. I, I, I'm going to say that Hideki, that's a good number. You should be looking at it. Yeah, it's interesting. I know our chat just brought up that uh, Matt Wolf is working on putting in a cut in his game with George Gankis. A good piece of information there from our chat. That's why I love it. Uh, they are well informed. And what that can do simply when a golfer is trying to add a element to his game, if he's trying to work on it in tournament, definitely can hurt the results a little bit. There's no doubt about it. But if you can't learn the golf shot in tournament, you're not going to be able to use it. And certainly a little left to right cut off of the tee is much more controllable than just trying to hit it as far as he can, which we know Wolf can do. He can hit it with the best of them uh, in the in furthest, maybe, you know, just behind Bryson DeChambeau and Cam Champ yeah. in terms of and, and distance on tour. If he's got a little bit of issue off the tee, it's going to show up more at a venue like TPC Stadium than it is here. Like, he, he's, you know, he's hitting it into the water in TPC Stadium here. <laughs> he's still down the fairway. He might be in the rough. But like I said, I, I, it just – it just benefits the bigger hitter so much at Torrey Pond. So I'm not as worried about it this week, but it's a good point. Absolutely. It's, it's great. Thanks for bringing it up. So um, you mentioned Jason day kind of being uh, a, a lock here, almost the two-time winner. He's got just really good results. He's the type of player you would want here. Long driver. Great with the short game, good putter, maybe not great with his irons all the time. And I found a guy that made the cut last week, probably should have played better, finished better. And, was a hot take from our own Ben Raza, and it's Wyndham Clark. He reminds me of a, I hate to use this analogy, a poor man's Jason Day. Extremely long off the tee, really good putter, good around the green, not so hot with the irons. But, Jeff, the irons looked pretty good last week. Decent enough, at least. Not great, but decent enough. So 5-1 to one on the top 20, is that a stretch on Clark? Should it be a little longer, or is that good value for you? Look, I, I like Wyndham Clark. Um, uh, I, I'm a Wyndham Clark guy. I mean, I know we were on him a couple times over the fall. Didn't quite get there. They're kind of big at the Shriners or something, but I, I'm I'm fine with it, man. I mean, he, the guy can bomb it out there, uh, great around the greens. And and like you said, I mean, from a putting perspective, he is someone who could get hot around these greens, right? And and, and kind of get you uh, some kind of big week from there too. So. I think Clark is a good setup, a, a good uh, sort of, you know, target for this kind of uh, event. He, he was T35 here back in, in 2019. This will be his third time playing it. You, you like to see that. I don't have his, his round by round history, but the approach game for Wyndham Clark has been improving like since the the fall. And that's why he's been putting up better results. I'm not sure if it was a club change or not. If he's still with uh, PXG, 
I'm not sure if he's still with them or not, but it might have been Clark. Yeah, he yeah. was with PHG. I, I got. I actually don't know if they. I'm not sure if he switched. Or not. Or not. Yeah. That's why. But anyways, his his approach game has been improving, and he's he's just been improving. So I like it, man. I absolutely like that call. I think that's the kind of player you want to target here. Good off the tee, consistent off the tee, can handle these greens because another similar player, and this will just be a segue into a guy I'm. I always target at this event, but it's Patrick Rogers. Um, really consistent, big off the tee, can absolutely light up the greens when he's on. If his approach game has any consistency this week, he'll probably finish in the top 20 because he's done that two of the last four years. Um, you can get him at uh, plus 1,600, plus uh, top 10 on DK Sportsbook. And I'll see if I can find him quickly for a top 20, but he's probably a little bit bigger than Clark, just judging by the odds. So where are you? Yeah, 750 yep. for Patrick Rogers on top 20. I'll be hitting that. I like that one. All right, let's move into our opening DFS thoughts and certainly a lot to talk about. Obviously the first two top guys, there's already a bit of chatter that I think we need to discuss. And first it's obviously pretty clear if you were following last week, which I'm sure most of you were John Rom had to withdraw to a sore back. It was stated throughout the little rumorville of the golf world that it was actually done in the gym. It wasn't just like a playing too much golf thing. It's like he actually maybe heard it in the gym And before I even give you a chance to talk about that, I'm going to mention that there was a report that Rory tweaked his back on Friday out in Abu Dhabi. Now, granted, he still ended up coming in second in the event. Ty Hatton had a much better Sunday, but top two guys have a tweak in their back. Um, Maybe that lowers ownership. I don't know, but are you nervous about either? And if so, what are you going to do about it? So, (laughs) yeah, it's a tough one because it's a tough one, man. I am probably more prone to fade Rory here okay. because of the facts coming over from Abu Dhabi. And I, I think I even said this on the show, maybe I'm not as concerned with Rory about it as other players. It's Rory. He's flying high. Like who cares? But we've just never seen, like I've seen, we've seen Dustin Johnson do this play, come over, suck Ricky play, come over, suck. They just, they, it just, it's a tough go to go from playing over there for whatever reason to playing Torrey Pines. In my opinion, part of it is just the the difference in course and the time zone probably doesn't help, but I have, I've done this for five or six years. I swear, Jason, nobody ever makes this transition well over to Torrey Pines from Abu Dhabi. And I ain't going to start doing it with Rory when he's got a back tweak prop possibility. So I would be much more inclined to go on Rom. It's also the younger of the two. Um, you know, it, it sounds very precautionary with him. And Rom's record at, at Torrey Pines, that's that's the other thing. Like, it, it's its phenomenal. So It's incredible. Maybe, maybe the answer is just to fade both these guys. You know, we're going to have a low, lower scoring DK week anyways and going more balanced. I could definitely see myself doing that. But of the top two, I'd be much more inclined to fade Rory here. It just, it, it just never works out for these guys who start over in Abu Dhabi. Never. Yeah, I think that's a, a great point to bring up. Now, here's my next question. On John Rahm. Let's say he he's, was just fine. I was really precautionary. He comes here this week and wins. Okay, so it's a two-part question. Let's say he wins, right? And his odds to win this week are, you know, something like, uh, what, 8-1 uh, to one or 7-1 to one this week. I think something like that. Let me get the exact one here. Yeah, 7-1. to one. Let's say he wins, right? Are you looking at the U.S. Open odds prior to the event going off that are sitting at 11-1, to one, same golf course? Or do you think you'd rather go for the, he doesn't play well and we'll get it longer after this week. That's when I'd want to jump on it. I, I think probably if I'm going to jump on, this is actually great. Cause I wanted to bring this up and I forgot. So I'm glad you brought it up. You should be looking, if you're interested in the U S open futures, you got to look at them 
before this event goes off. Yep. I don't think Rom I would necessarily worry about, although it definitely could happen. Um, but realistically, like the the odds switch on Rom, like okay, he'd probably go to favorite, maybe like eight or nine to one. But his odds aren't going to get cut in half necessarily, right? Because right? it's US um, Open, yep. Yeah, because it's US Open, you still got Dustin's still number one player, yada yada. But um, yep. you could definitely do that. I, I would be more inclined to look higher in the odds for guys. Like I'm 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 looking at Matt Wolf. You can get him at 50 to 1 or, or better. I don't think Matt Wolf's gonna go off of 50 to 1 for the US Open. If you had to ask me right now, I think there's a good chance you will see someone like his odds get cut possibly in half. So I'm more worried about it for guys in that mid-range that who are looking juicy right now. Um, you know, maybe like a Woodland is another example. I don't know. I'm not really like that bullish on Woodland, but maybe Bubba, I don't know. Maybe Bubba finishes yeah. like second here or something. Um, someone like that, right? Uh, other than than Rom, but it's a great point you made up. If you are interested in betting Rom for this U.S. Open, and it makes sense, he's won here twice, once already, almost won last year. Yep. Then maybe sprinkling a little bit now isn't a bad idea. Like maybe putting in like half a bet or something. Um, it's not something I'm going to do because twelve to one. Like I'll, I'll just ride it out. I mean, I, I, I if I'm generally for futures too, I'm targeting guys at bigger odds and then I'll, I'll just take what comes to me at the favorites, but it's absolutely a great point to make. If you're really bullish on Ron for the U S open, you might want to sprinkle a little bit now. Yep. I totally agree. Okay. So let's continue on uh, for our uh, DK preview. Tony Finau, uh, I brought up to you right before the show. Again, it was dropped at two twenty-seven, So I had like a minute and a half to talk to you about it. But the thing that I mentioned to you right up top is Tony Finau priced above Xander Schauffele. Right. Found that to be interesting. I think that may lead to lower ownership on Tony Finau. Is that something you want to explore? Or do you think maybe the T4 and another blunder on Sunday? <laughs> I shouldn't even say blunder. He didn't play that bad. He just got outplayed yet again. Yeah. Um, are you willing to go back to him? Or is that price just all too high for you? No, I don't I don't think it's too high. I think the, the thing about Finau, too, that's pretty heightened at this course, like there's just not many birdies this week. But with Finau... You know, he's the, it's just such a good setup for Tony Finau. And it's he's the leader in strokes game total here over the last like five years. He's got multiple top, I think he's got four top tens here now. There's a reason for it. it. It's hard to make birdies here, but it's easier when you can pound it 350 yards down the fairway and reach all the par, get around the greens at all the par fives. The, you know, if you find the fairway on the long par fours, those are all of a sudden become birdie opportunities. He's just got a big advantage over the field here. And Xander... I like Xander, but my God, like this guy's burned me three times this event now. He's a San Diego kid, but something about, this, here. Something, something about this course, Jason. Like, I, don't, I do not know what it is, but um, I absolutely, I think this is where Finau deserves to be. I hope the field stays off him a little bit, but I, I almost just want to start with, after the, the Rom Rory talk, I, I actually think it's okay. I mean, it sounds a little crazy, but to me, you know, looking how this sets up, I don't, I don't really have a problem starting with Tony Finau this week. I, I think the setup is just so good for him. I think, you know, we do have a strong field, but it's not that strong. Like after Rom and Rory, is there really that big a difference between like even just Shoffley and Finau? I, I don't, I don't see it. And I think this course really neutralizes some of the advantages that Shoffley has over Finau anyways. So um, I think I, I'd be okay. I think you're also getting good value in the nine K range where, you can you can afford a little bit more on Finau this week and still end up with a really good lineup. So, yeah, I would say I think I, I agree. Where the field is, where the field gets its strength is kind of that middle section, right? Maybe it's not that top heavy with only three in the top ten, maybe two in the top ten. Obviously, the strongest events get four, five, or all ten, of course, for the majors or for the players. 
Uh, but I, I think you're right. The, the meat of this comes in this 9K range. And it mm-hmm. starts off with Harris English, who, uh, I, I mean, I've faded, you know, forever. And maybe at the Sony Open, it semi paid off for me. But I'll tell you, this truly does not feel like a Harris English course to me. I, am I wrong to say that? He, he's kind of more of a guy that you've followed a little bit than I have. That's for sure. It is a little bit weird. Harris English was is still he can still get it out there off the tee, and again, it's it's he's he's very he's a very sort of he's almost like Brant Snedeker light. Like he's like he's like in between Jason Day and Brant Snedeker, and that maybe doesn't get it out there as far as like Jason Day, but he he's he's just as good a scrambler, and he, he's one of the best pole putters in the world. Quite frankly, he's just very good at handling these greens. So year in year out. He's produced, uh, he lost in a playoff here today in 2015, the four-man playoff. I remember that event well. But, oh, that's um, a good point. Yeah, like, like he's got a good record here. He, he's got a very good record here. So it, I agree. Like it's not the ideal setup, but he gets around, he can get around these long courses. We also, like, again, at the U.S. Open, I mean, I, I would not really suspect that being a good event for Harris English, but, he only, you know, top five there this year, it, it is strange to see. He, he can get around these long courses better than people realize. So, um, it's an interesting spot for him at 9,800. I don't think he'll be super heavily owned because I, I was think people, about to say, yeah, I, people see him there. They got Wolf at 9,100, Scheffler, Hovland down there, Kapka. I think, I think English could be a really interesting play this week. You'll probably get him at really nice ownership. So, um, yeah, again, if you're starting balanced, maybe if you're going to cut out the guys in top in the top 10 K and you want a more, a more subtle, a more like just a little bit lower ownership guy to start with a balanced lineup. I think English is that guy. So, yeah, just looking at around who's around him now. If we look back to the Sony Open, which I think is a better indication of ownership, you know, he's one of the top priced guys and still got the 20%, but there was nobody else really playing that was that exciting. So, I think at 9,800 with Reed right above him, Sung J M right below him, and you mentioned obviously Wolf, Matsuyama, Shuffler way below him. I think that his ownership is going to be the lowest it's been in the last four or five, six tournaments. So if you do think he can get back to say that top five form, I think he could be a good pivot play. I'm not sure that I'm going to go there this week. I'll be honest with you. I just, you know, Sung JM at 9,600 finally found his putter a little bit last week, had a chance to win, uh, then just obviously faltered on the weekend. Um, All right, let's go talk a little bit about the uh, 8K section. Again, a lot of golfers here. We've got Fowler who ended up having a good weekend as well. Then we got golfers like Cam Smith, super popular last time. Ryan Palmer's playing good golf. Adam Scott, if he has a good putting week, we know he can win in California. Then you got Willie Zalatoris, just kind of thrown in there at 8,100. It's his first start of the season. I think it's interesting because I think we're going to get really low ownership on him because of guys like Jason Day, Cam Smith, kind of soaking all that up. So thoughts on the AK range here, Jeff, early on in the week. Yeah, it's, it, it's pretty interesting. Um, you got Usti in there as well. Yeah, Usti, I didn't even mention him. Yep. Who, again, I mean, like, th- these are the kind of courses where Usti just hangs around. He's very, he's like Harris English light in, in a way, right? Like, he'll just hang around it. And by the end, you know, you're like, oh, I got a T7 from him. So he, I think he's in play for me. Um, day at 86, I'm sure he'll be heavily targeted. It makes sense. Um, you know, there's always the injury risk with Jason Day. But again, he plays sure. well top 20s are just just flow here so easily for jason day it's hard for me to, to say anything bad about it but del torres is interesting t to green guys absolutely should be dominating here I, I think he's got the right style of game to to profit long term so you know again mentioned wolf coming here on his debut t21 i i think Zal torres is, is a good play there too 
people mentioning Billy Ho, he, he was really kind of just putting the lights out at Sony Open. Um, I don't mind it, but I think I'd be more inclined to go with like Zalatoris, especially if the ownership's lower. So I'm kind of hoping Billy Ho sucks in the ownership and then I can get guys like Zalatoris and Usti uh, at a bit lower ownership. That's probably where I'll be going. Um, again, it's not a birdie makers course. So you don't, I just don't want to put too much emphasis on what I saw at the Sony and the Amex because it's going to be such a different event, especially with the weather. So uh, I'm looking at guys, I'm, I'm, I'm treating this like a little bit like a major. I want the TD Green guys. I want Del Torres. I want Usti. Um, you know, I might take a look, I might take a look at Cameron uh, Davis. I probably won't play Cameron Champ, even though I do think it's a great setup for him long-term, but he has looked really garbage in the first two starts. But again, like, don't be shocked if he turns it around here. It just won't shock me at all. We see it every year. So that's kind of how I'm looking at this 8K range. And the only other guy I'll mention there, Bob at 88. I like that. Yeah, Bubba's interesting, 8,800. We haven't seen him in, in quite a while. I haven't seen him since the Masters where he came 57th. So an interesting play there. Uh, you mentioned Cam Champ. So there's a couple of Camerons there at 7,900 um, that I'll get to in a second. First, my uh, thoughts quickly on the AK range. Pretty much echoes the same thing as you. Horsel, very good off the tee in his first starts. The Irons haven't quite been there. I think Will Zalatoris tee to green game is better than Horschel's. Horschel a better putter, obviously. So whatever ends up winning out this week, whether it's putting or tee to green, probably have that winner uh, in that matchup come from there as well. Uh, now, going to the Camerons, I'll first start with Champ. So Champ started off his round. I think he was got to two or three under. He was on the par five, decided to lay up 130 yards out, staring down at the Nicholas course, threw up a 140-yard, 130-yard shot, tracking, 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 hits the flag, spins back, goes in the water, and from there, he shot 10 over. So, when something like that happens and on a course or a tournament, Jeff, that we know minus 24 is going to be the winner, I think he just checked out. I think he's like, yeah, I'm not going to miss the cut. I'll see you in San Diego. No sense in me trying to – now, I don't know if this is how golfers think. This is me sitting here as a as a uh, PGA DFS guy saying this is what it looked like. I saw the play, you know, I saw the shot. I saw the attitude afterwards because he was on PGA Tour Live, and that's exactly what it looks like. It just looked like he didn't care after he did that. So that makes me more inclined to play him this week. Yeah. And that's what I mean. That, that's what, And sometimes that's what you get at that prolong event because yeah. it's two courses involved. It, it's just guys come in there. So I just don't want to put too much emphasis on the results there. Obviously, the guy played good there. That's good. That, that's a good sign it is still. But it, it is a very different event here. So I, I, I really like this, this event and setup for Champ as well. Another guy we saw play well at TPC Harding Park. So... I, you know, again, a hundred lineups, I would definitely be, be getting some champ exposure here. Um, you know, now, I'm, again, I'm not Davis would same, you know, obviously same first name. Who would you pick out of those two? Which cam would you go with one coming off of third place? One coming off of Miss Cut? It, it, it's a tough, it's a really tough call because That's a good one. they're both, they're both long hitters. Um, I think champ is the better player long-term, but like you don't want to discount cam Davis and, and what he did last week. I would honestly, I would probably go with champ. I, I honestly would. Um, I, I'll, I'll go with the, the pedigree. I, I just feel like, you know, it's been a slow start, but what have we really seen? We, we saw him at the tournament of champions, a no cut event where half the guys are on vacation and the stadium course, like just, I, I'll just take champ over Davis because that's probably what I would do long-term. And like I said, off the top, I'm just not going to buy in too much to the results last week. So it's risky. Um, you know, I, I think there's probably better arguments for taking Davis over champ, but I, I would actually lean champ here. I'll give him one more, one more go. One more go. Yeah, no doubt about it. Well, 
Uh, I think maybe a little bit weather dependent. Our uh, producer behind the glass is in the area, Jordan, this week and mentioned that it's not really that great there. So I think it may play a little bit of a factor. Uh, Another tough question for you. Maybe you do have a lean here, though. We saw two guys that had a terrible 2020 pop up and show up last week. One of them looked like he was healthy after coming back from an injury. And the other one, Francesco Molinari, looked like he seemed like he cared about golf again. And it has been a while since that. So the first guy I'm talking about, Gary Woodland. Second guy I want to talk about, Francesco Molinari. Do you have a lean? And if so, who is it? So, uh, well, another, another really tough question. Woodland's I'm got a great. Woodland's got a great record at this course. Yes, uh, well, it's not great, but it, it's very good. And obviously, he's got the uh, he's got the win at, at at the Pebble Beach on the West Coast too. Um, I, I think Molinari again is is like I would take Molinari long term, but I, I I would like to get a little bit more info on and really what is going on with Gary Woodland. Like, is is he completely is he completely over the injury? If he is, it would be more inclined. I would be more inclined to get on him here, but I don't. Again, I just don't want to read too much into what was going on last week. So, um, you know, Woodland looked fine there, but what if he comes to the big U.S. Open event and it just kind of all crumbles apart at, at once? I think for this setup, I'll you know, because the thing is, Molinari is as big a gamble. So I, I would say Mol- Woodland, excuse me, for considering the setup we have here, he was pretty consistent off the tee. If I'm buying into both these guys, kind of turned the corner last week. I'll take the bigger hitter. I'll take the guy who's played here a little bit more and has better results. So I guess I'll lean on course history to make that decision. But both these guys, definitely a little bit scary. Um, probably going to require a little bit more digging for me throughout the week. I would lean Woodland here, though, realistically, the setup, um, all things considered. Yeah, one more question on Woodland. Um, do you think that, uh, first of all, everybody knows his talent that plays this game. Obviously a major winner, U.S. Open winner for that matter. Do you think that we missed the 3% 7,700 Gary Woodland last week? Or do you think that we're going to get it again this week? That That's what I'm maybe concerned about. We've got this guy that was injured, didn't look injured last week. Coming yeah. in looks to be really good value. Do we see 15% again or are people not ready to buy in yet? I mean, again, this is why you need to get the awesome weekly pass and you Bingo. can get the ownership <laughs> projections from Alex, which are awesome and they're useful to know this stuff by Wednesday. I would say... Off the top of my head, I don't think we'll get 15%. But, you know, people in our industry start talking him up too much. Not too much. Just if they just start talking him up, I mean, he will get up there. So he's got the chance to be the chalk in this range. I feel like it's too deep with Davis, Champ, Connors below him. Connors definitely going to suck up some ownership. And even Kokrak and Burns down there. Even your boy, Jordan Spieth, going to get a couple percent. You know, you'll, you'll tip the odds in his favor. But... I think Woodland could end up being the chalkiest in this range. I just don't know if it's going to be so chalky where you have to be like, oh, well, I need to get off him now. So I'd be okay with like a 10% Gary Woodland. I wouldn't be okay with a 15 to 20% Gary Woodland. That's kind of how I guess I'm approaching it. All right, here we go. It's that time of the show where I'll talk for 60 seconds about the 7,600 golfer, uh, Jordan Spieth. And there was some reports over the – and I've been waiting a couple of weeks to talk about this because this wasn't pertinent before now – but there were some reports that he went to Butch Harmon. We just saw the success we've gotten out of Siwoo Kim after that switch. Here's what actually happened. Speed went to a, through a swing change with Cameron McCormick, his longtime coach, been his coach since he was a teenager. He brought Butch Harmon in for a consultation, a one-time consultation. Now, does that mean that Butch Harmon uh, said to Jordan Spieth, it looks amazing, you're ready to win again? Probably not. 
But of course, we're not going to get the ins and outs of it. The fact that he just brought Butch Harmon in makes me a little excited. The fact that he did something different, Jeff, I needed that at least. I mean, I'm going to play him all this week. I don't know. I think it's an okay course for him because everyone else is going to miss the fairway. But until I see this guy hit at least 50% of his fairways on a tough course like this, I'm not going to have him in my $500 lineup, but I'm never not going to have him in any lineups. Are you intrigued by anything you've heard or is it a full fade for you again this week? Uh, it, it is intriguing to have Butch Harmon, I admit. Um, at the same time, it's Torrey Pines. Uh, p- people write him off too easily at these courses. I will say that. He, he's very good at obviously scrambling. And if the putter's going, um, you know, I, I wrote up another guy this morning in Alex Noren at 7,400. But realistically, like if I like Alex Noren at this course, Spieth is like the better version of Alex Noren anyways, even when his, 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 you know, his off the tee game is killing him. So again, I can't write him off. I think for a 1% owned GPP, the nice thing, look, the nice thing about Jordan Spieth, 5%, 6% owned, probably double the field, right? I don't think he's going to get up there. So I I, I wouldn't write him off completely, but it's not necessarily someone I'm like looking to go overweight on. I I think I'm okay waiting on Jordan Spieth. I know you'll want to be on him early, but I, I, my, my first, impression would be no here um i just want to see i just want to see see what happens if he comes in top 20 or t16 i'll be like well i'll kick myself next week a little bit but i won't kick myself that much because i just don't think that he's necessarily close to getting himself in contention yet which you know that's when i really want to be on him so we'll we'll see uh, another guy that I want to talk about in this range, uh, we'll end here in uh, just a couple of minutes, uh, but want to get uh, your thoughts here. Last week, the 6 of 6 was about 3.6%. Then all of a sudden, after the second hole on Saturday, uh, it became 2.5%. And that's because Charlie Hoffman, who was 8 under in the top 20, decided to withdraw. In fact, one of my top three lineups on FanDuel had Charlie Hoffman in it. It also had Siwoo Kim and Patrick Cantlay. It was probably looking to be my shot at winning, but Charlie Hoffman took it away. He's in the field this week, has three top 10 since 2011 here. So is this a full fade? Like the guy withdrew in the middle of an event. Why is he back playing? It's a full fade for me. I, I can't, I can't tolerate that. Why he's even here, but do you have another thought? Uh, no, not really. Um, I'm I, I, like, I talked he's yeah. in the field to be honest. It's probably not that big a deal again. I mean, but at the same time, like, I just don't know how you can, how you can withdraw in the middle of an event when you're actually in contention and then just come back the next week. I mean, must've been something again, a spasm or something that just got dealt with, but boy, man, like that is, that's rough. I mean, and to come back and now, now playing Torrey Pines in like cold weather. Yeah. You've just got to think that it's probably just a freak thing. And, you know, we do see this from golfers. They, they got to be cautious and stuff like that, but I don't, I don't want to play them. No, I, have no I think he had like 13 birdies and maybe even threw in an Eagle there. So it's not like he was playing bad. He was no. going to help a GPP lineup for sure. Had he played all four days. And, and the, the thing about golfers like this, like it's a deep field. Like we, we already went over like names, but Grillo's there. Ortiz is playing well. Char- Charles Howells makes the cut here. My boy, Benny on who knows, but I don't really want to play Benny on again this week, but um, you know, it just, there's just too many other options there for me to be like, get too bullish on Charlie Hoffman, who does look like he's playing well, but yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll hit him up at the next event. If he, if he gets through this one and, and just, you know, take the risk off the table, so to speak here. I'm going to go out on a limb and it's probably not too far out there that he doesn't play this week. I, I just think we got a withdrawal coming. I, I just can't imagine he's going to want to play in 50 degree weather after last yeah. week. With, it seemed like a legit injury. Why would you withdraw being in the top 20 of an event on Saturday uh, if it wasn't? So I'm going to go out on a limb and say he's not going to play here this week. Just wanted to bring that up, though. A couple of other guys in this range as we wind down. Um, 
7,400 and below. So I'm giving you well, maybe a little bit, probably my easiest question here of the day. Who are your top two plays under 7,400 on your first look? And then I'll give you mine and then we'll get on out of here. So under 7,400, uh, again, we've just had a, a chance to look here. So like I've kind of been drifting down as we go, but um let me see here. I, I'm going to throw Patrick Rogers in there. Yeah, I was just going to say our two guys, Clark and Rogers, are both at 6,800. Yeah. Um, actually, I would probably put Wyndham Clark above Patrick Rogers just because I think he's he's closer right now. So let me backtrack on that first one already. And then for for a second guy, I do like Alex Norman, but I don't. Again, we want to go under here, so we went a little bit cheaper. Mm. If you got someone, throw them out, Jason, because I got I to gotta take a quicker look. All here. right. Yeah. <laughs> Here's the thing. Okay. I'm, I'm absolutely prone to play golfers that I believe have the best talent in the game. Right. And so this brings me to a golfer that's a little bit far down the list, but I can tell you played here a lot in college. And he just came in the top five on the local IQ series tour, which again, he's playing against professional golfers. It's not like he's not playing against nobody. Granted, it's not playing against Tory Pines, but Justin Sue. Okay, 6,600. I brought him up a couple of times here on this show specifically. Last time we saw him, he missed the cut at Bermuda. Not great. He's a great putter. He's not that good off the tee, so it worries me here a bit. But at 6,600, sorry, I'll probably take a few steps. I like it. Because ultimately, just to finish, sorry, we don't know where this guy's going to be in a year. He could not even be on the PGA Tour. He could be at 7,800 or 8,000. We really don't know. Yeah, he could be on the Corn Ferry Tour trying to grind up. But exactly. I, yep. he, is, he is very talented. And we saw it towards the end of last year how good he can be. So yep. I actually like that call down there. I was kind of looking for, for someone like that. But I'm going to throw out Luke List, who actually played pretty well last Great. week. Yep. Um, again, just a, a big hitter when he gets in the zone kind of thing. Um, there, there's a couple other names that, I, you know, probably more consistent, probably have better floors. But for me, the, the Wyndham Clarks, the Patrick Rogers, the Luke List. How about Sam Burns on a bounce back? Played Sam good Burns, on absolutely. Yeah. That, yeah. That's, you can throw him in that basket of guys too. And, and Burns is probably, a, well, I wouldn't say he's the best putter of the three, but he's definitely, he's probably the most consistent player of the three. Um, so, you know, he, he should get involved in there too. Uh, I think people just confuse like Burns, Burns can putt on, on pretty much any surface. So yeah, Burns definitely in there, but um, I'll throw Luke list out there as a nice seven K play. I think it's a good, good venue for him long-term too. Me too. Well, that is uh, going to do it. We've uh, given all, all of our opening thoughts here. This is the PGA DFS first look show for the farmer's insurance. So on your way out, first of all, thank you for joining on a Monday afternoon. Very much appreciate that. And on your way out, please don't forget to like and subscribe. So till next week, we are heading, um, let's see, next week, I believe is the Waste Management Phoenix Open, a really fun event. There are going to be fans there. There are going to be fans on the 17th. So that'll be fun. Then we come um, back to California for a couple of weeks Pebble Beach and the Genesis. So a lot of great golf coming up uh, in the next couple of weeks. So thank you all for joining here again. And make sure we got a 445 NBA slate going on. That's our next show. Be sure to tune in for that. And of course, the DFS strategy show, 335 tomorrow with Ben and Tim. And then one last note, Ben Raz and I, we're going to be going on 7 o'clock Wednesday night to, uh, this week. Wednesday's a big night in the NBA, so they're going to be doing the late show live before lock for Ben Raz and I will be at 7 o'clock. So till then, everybody, thanks for joining, and we will see you next week. Cheers.